Good morning, Great Oaks. Oh, wow. Good morning, Great Oaks. Hey, to all the moms out there, happy Mother's Day. It's glad to have you all in the building this morning. As we are still in our You Asked For It series, which is questions that you've asked us to answer uh, from the stage. Now, since it's Mother's Day, this was going to be the perfect opportunity for us to preach the sermon that somebody asked how amazing God made women. Or in fact, how the word helper in Genesis is a direct relation and correlation to Jesus himself. That would have been an amazing sermon. Yet no dude asked that question of us. <laughs> not one guy, not one son, no one. So in, in being fair to our sermon series, we are actually going to be talking about something completely different today. We're talking about who is the Holy Spirit. Now, Holy Spirit as we dive into this topic, can be kind of uh, scary because we kind of don't know much and we don't really like to study it because we treat the Holy Spirit kind of like the weird uncle of the Trinity. Because, you know, there's things like tongues and other gifts are like, ooh, that's kind of weird. I don't know if I want to talk about that. So I thought, what better way? So I want to introduce you to my friend this morning, the Holy Spirit. All right. So, hey, he is here. It's okay. Um, so as we talk about him this morning, all morning long, um, if I ask a question and he answers it, that would be really cool. All right. But there's so much we just don't know. And so much so that we sometimes treat the Holy Spirit like this imaginary friend that we have. So today, the point of this sermon, in the 25 minutes I'm going to preach this sermon on who is the Holy Spirit, I hope to alleviate that he's just not an imaginary friend and explain the importance of him. Now, before we go into this sermon, I need you to all be on the same page with me because I can't preach everything because it would take us days. So the one thing I need everybody just to go ahead and say, yep, this is right. When we talk about the Trinity, the Trinity being God, we believe there's three persons in the Godhead, which is Father, Son, Spirit, all equal, all right, all the same mind, all right, all equal. I need everybody to be on that page for me this morning. I don't have time to dive all the way into the Trinity or we'd be here for a long time. So the question this morning that was asked, and we're going to do our due diligence with, who is the Holy Spirit? Or better yet, for you guys that love language, in the Old Testament, who is ruach, which is the Hebrew word for the Holy Spirit, which means breath or wind. Or in the New Testament Greek, the pneuma, which is wind or air. For the Greek, or for some of you that grew up in a King James church, you might know the word parakletos, which comes from the Gospel of John, which means helper or comforter. So who is the Holy Spirit? The fact that we actually don't study the Holy Spirit much is disheartening, because the Holy Spirit is mentioned by name directly 94 times in the Bible. Not alluded to, directly referred to 94 times. Now, for those of you that have always wanted to know more about the Holy Spirit, and you're not going to get all the knowledge in a 25-minute sermon, here are two, four top resources that I use for the Holy Spirit. Go ahead and throw those up on the screen. These are four really great authors that have written on the Holy Spirit. One being Forgotten God by Francis Chan. Two being The Mystery of the Holy Spirit by R.C. Sproul. Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire by Jim Cimbala, and then Jesus Continued by J.D. Greer. Those are some great reads if you want to know more about the Holy Spirit. 
In fact, Forgotten God is one of the books that put Francis Chan on the map because he truly is, the Holy Spirit is, the forgotten God. So that is what we're talking about this morning. The forgotten God, the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Bow with me. God, as we uh, dive into this message this morning, we pray that the Spirit move. We pray that the Spirit be present. God, as we unpack the character of the Holy Spirit and who he is. God, be with this message this morning. May it be from you and not me. For your words are wise and mine are foolish. God, we thank you for who you are and all that you do. Pray us on your name. Amen. So here's going to be the focus of this message this morning. Three things. Who is the Holy Spirit? What does the Holy Spirit do? And third, why is the Holy Spirit important? So the first thing we're going to do is unpack this. Who is the Holy Spirit? Number one, here we go. For your notes, the Holy Spirit is God. Is God. In fact, I picked out a text for us to really see this. The Great Commission from Jesus himself at the end of the Gospel of Matthew says this in Matthew 28. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given them, given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So right there, the Holy Spirit has earmarked in the Trinity, Father, Son, Spirit. The Holy Spirit is part of God. Holy Spirit is God. All right, that's the easy one. Secondly, the Holy Spirit is a person. And you're like, whoa, hold on, does that mean like physically, he's like walking around around us? No, the Holy Spirit is it's a person because there is personality, there is emotion, there's direction given. In fact, the text that we're going to be in for most of the morning comes from John 14. If you want to turn there in your Bibles or on the Version app, John 14, we're going to start here in verse 15. If you love me, obey my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and it doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. So let me explain what's going on. This is John 14. And in John 14, Jesus is preparing to go to the cross. This conversation with his disciples is happening in the upper room the night that Jesus is going to be betrayed. And this is what he says. I'm not going to leave you because I'm sending the Spirit. And that advocate will never leave you. Hear this. And sometimes, guys, English language can be important. He is the Holy Spirit. Notice how Jesus doesn't say, hey, this mist you see is the Holy Spirit. This vapor is the Holy Spirit. This imaginary thing that's going to be in your subconscious is the Holy Spirit. That is not the language Jesus uses. He is the Holy Spirit who leads in all truth. Holy Spirit is God. Holy Spirit is a person. Third, who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is eternal. Eternal. In fact, when we go back and look at that John 14 text again, if you love me, Obey my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you the, another advocate, hear these words, who will never leave you. 
He's the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and it doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be with you. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you who will never leave you. Now you might read that and say, hey, Jason, I get it. The Holy Spirit came post-Jesus. But to say he's eternal is a kind of a misstep, right? Because that's when he comes on the scene. Jesus leaves, comes in. There was things before Jesus. Well, let's go before Jesus and talk about something here. For example, who in here loves Marvel movies? Anybody love Marvel movies? Who loves a good origin story, all right? I'm the only nerd in the room. Got it, all right. So if we looked all the way back to Genesis 1, which is pretty much the origin story of who we are and who God is, Genesis chapter 1 says this, the first words, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. The Spirit of God is on scene at creation. In fact, part of an agent of creation. Then later, then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. All right. Back to the English language. Some of you are like, man, this is horrible. I did not like English class. Let us make man in our image, the plurality. God did not say, I'm going to make man in my image. I'm going to make human beings in my image. It's our image, meaning that part of that is the Son and the Spirit. Now, I know that this sermon is not about Jesus, but you're like, well, Chase, how can Jesus be on the scene? Well, guys, we know that from John 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. That refers back to Jesus from John 1. I don't have another hour to unpack that, though, so there you go. So the Spirit, the origin story, is there at creation, at the beginning. All three, Father, Son, Spirit. So who is the Holy Spirit? God, person, and eternal. All right, there we go. Everybody feel comfortable with that? All right, let's move on. What does the Holy Spirit do? What does the Holy Spirit do? Job number one of the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit illuminates us. What does that even mean? Shows us truth, inspires, gives us direction, in fact, church, if you don't know this, this book, we, we like to say this is you know, written by God. And in fact, if you want to be more accurate, this is written by the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit illuminates us. We see that going back again to our main text. If you love me, obey my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate. All right, we already talked through all that. Look at that last verse, verse 18. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. And then right there, verse 17, who leads us into all truth. Holy Spirit leads us into truth. When we're asking, hey, how do we do the right thing? What is the right thing? Let me ask a question. When you're faced with a major decision in life, all right. It might be a little bit of dishonesty here, but we'll say, who in their steps one, two, or three, prayer is probably in steps one, two, or three. I won't say one. 
Who, who, who prays about major decisions in life? Anybody? All right, we'll have a sermon on prayer later, okay? But when we pray about major decisions, let me explain who we're praying to. We are praying to God. Do you know who really is hearing that prayer and who's really taking that prayer? That is the Holy Spirit. In fact, when we don't even know what to pray for, the Spirit does. The Spirit intercedes for us and illuminates us. In fact, Paul writes it this way later, but before we get there, secondly, the Holy Spirit, what does he do? Empowers. Illuminates and empowers. And here's what Paul says later in Romans chapter 8. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit. If you have the Spirit of God living in you, and remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. And Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life. Because you have been made right with God. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ from the dead, he will give you, give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. I need to stop here for a second. Because there's times we read verses of Scripture and we do not grasp the power of what that verse says. And Christ lives within you. So for those who want to know more about that, that means if you have taken on Christ, if you know, yes, I believe Christ is my Savior, then you have the Spirit living in you. And because of that, even though we will die, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right in the sight of God. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. All right, let's, let's get a little bit, a little bit mystical, a little weird here for a second. Church, if you're a believer... You have God inside of you. Understand the power of that. Hey, today's Mother's Day. Moms, let me talk to you for a second. When you feel completely exasperated by those children that that video said that God wanted you to have, <laughs> all right? When you feel completely exasperated and at wit's end and have no idea what to do, do you know what you have? The Spirit of God inside you to persevere and move forward. When you feel like there's nothing left to do, you have no other way to go, that's the power we have as believers. Who would not want that? We say this all the time from this stage we cannot do things alone. When you are alone, that is when we fall. When we do things lonely, that's, that is when we completely and utterly fail. But no matter how insurmountable the task seems in front of us, we have the power of God in us. Now, some of you might know about this because maybe a long time ago, you heard a different verse. Uh, this one's not going to be on the screen, but you maybe heard this verse before. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own for your body to price. And so maybe you've heard that verse. And let me talk about that verse for a second, because I wanted to bring this up. This verse has been completely misused. Because let me tell you, when I was growing up in the church, when I heard this verse, whoa, you're getting a tattoo? Mm-mm. Body's a temple of the Holy Spirit. 
Chase, maybe you shouldn't eat another donut. Body's a temple. Oh, you smoked? Oh, that temple of the Holy Spirit. Hey, let me help everybody out here real quick. And for those of you who may have used this verse, I'm not trying to chastise you, but I kind of am. There are plenty of other verses of Scripture to use that healthy living is okay. There's plenty of other verses from the Bible you can use to say, hey, take care of your body. Be good stewards of your body. Be good stewards of the land that God has put you on. There's plenty of other verses. Please do not use that. Because what that verse means is the Spirit of God is in us. And we have this power. And he's marked us with salvation. This has nothing to do about getting a tattoo. Has nothing to do about what we put in our body and consume. This has everything to do with we have the Spirit inside of us. And if you want to use that verse correctly, you can use it for this. Maybe we shouldn't be just filling ourselves with all of the world has in sin. Okay, I can get behind that. But don't use it for what you think is morally correct. This power that we have, that Paul tells us in Romans, it is the same power that was unleashed in Acts chapter 1 when the Holy Spirit comes on the scene at Pentecost. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Acts 1, verse 8, if you don't know this, this is like the dominant thought or like the thesis statement of the entire book of Acts. But you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and as far as the remotest part of the earth. It is the Holy Spirit that has us going out into the world. Yes, Jesus gave us the charge of the Great Commission, but it's the Spirit that walks with us to do that. So what does the Holy Spirit do? It illuminates, it empowers, and third, it frees us. He frees us. Let's go back to that text one more time in John 14. If you love me, obey my commandments. And then let's, we know the verse. Let's skip all the way down to the bottom. Verse 18, no, I will not abandon you as orphans. I come to you. I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. I do not know everyone in this crowd. I just don't. Maybe at some point in your life you were titled as orphan. I do not know. I don't know what that feeling's like. That loneliness that might set in. There's a reason why we talk at Great Oaks about how adoption is after the heart of God. And many of you have taken up on that challenge. But what I do know is this. The feeling that we do have of being an orphan is when we don't know Christ. And what Christ is saying here, I know you're sad. I'm about to go to the cross. He's talking to his closest 11 here at this moment. I'm going to leave. And he actually says, it's better for you that I should go. And it's better for you that I should go so you have the Holy Spirit And some of you that are like, oh yeah, because that's where we get the verse that the Holy Spirit is our comforter. Okay, let me hold up one second there. You're correct. The King James Version does say the Holy Spirit is our comforter. Here's the problem with that. When the King James was translated in the 1600s, comforter meant a whole lot different than it does now. Comforter back in the 1600s, but they come alongside and raise up. Today, comforter to us is like, ooh, it gives me a big hug. 
That's, and so be careful because that's not the Holy Spirit's main job, church, is not to make us feel warm inside. The Holy Spirit's job is to come alongside us, be, in, be inside, show us truth, empower us, free us. Paul says this in Romans again, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received the spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Don't miss that. Now we call him Abba Father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. And in fact, together with Christ, we are heirs in God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must share also in his suffering. So when we look at this scripture, Christ who's wanting to adopt, God who wants to adopt all of us as his children through the blood of the cross, we are freed from all the sin, all the trash of this world. Yes, it still affects us. Yes, we still have to deal with consequences. But on the eternal scale, it doesn't matter. Because we should know where our place is. We have heirship. In fact, it says we have sonship. And what I love how Paul write that, and so before you like misunderstand what that actually means, especially ladies in the room, like, well, it just says sonship. It doesn't say daughtership. No, he's saying that to everyone. Men, women, Greek, Jew, slave, free. Everyone gets the sonship. That's some of the work the Holy Spirit frees us to. So why do we take time to really try to dive in on who the Holy Spirit is? Not just this mist or imaginary friend, but this person, this member of the Godhead that lives inside us and around us. Why is it so important? I love statistics. Here's one for you this morning. 62% of self-identified born-again Christians contend that the Holy Spirit is not a real living being, but is merely a symbol of God's power, presence, or purity. Okay. I have a huge problem with that statistic. Problem number one is this, self-identified born-again Christians. So let me explain what that means. This isn't they just walked outside of a church one day and like started serving people. They actually went into churches and said, hey, do you attend here normally? Yes. And that's the people they asked. And 62% said, hey, Holy Spirit's not real living being. It's just a symbol. There's so many problems with that. But this quote by Packer actually does justice more than I ever could with my words. Were it not for the work of the Holy Spirit, there would be no gospel, no faith, no church, no Christianity in the world at all. So, for those of you that have been in the church a long time, and maybe the reason we don't talk about the Holy Spirit is we're like, man, Chase, there's like these two issues. We, like, have you heard people talk about tongues? I don't want to talk about that. So we, got, we don't want to talk about the Holy Spirit. Please hear me. Knowing the nature of the Holy Spirit is paramount. Way more important than knowing about the full gifts of the Holy Spirit. So before we kick the Holy Spirit to the curb because we're like, ah, oh, I can't explain that. Comes off a little weird. Be cautious about doing that. We just kicked a member of God out of the house because we're like, ah, oh, I can't fully understand tongues or healing. Really? All right. It's okay to have different opinions on that. I'm just going to say it right there. Yes, the Holy Spirit gives us gifts. 
Each one of us in here is gifted with something. We can talk about that later. But just because we don't fully understand it and it makes us uncomfortable, please leave him in the house. Learn about him. Be careful how we talk about the Spirit. So, to wrap this up, I have only one point of my sermon today. One point. The only point I want you to get today. The Holy Spirit is our personal connection with God. Personal connection to God. Only point I want you to get. And you might ask, well, well, how? Okay, here we go. Through prayer, by the word, and by salvation applied. Church, when we don't understand the Holy Spirit, we don't understand one of the most important things about the Holy Spirit. And here it is. Might be the only thing I ever say from my mouth that's even quote worthy. Okay, ready? God purposed, the Father purposed salvation. Jesus accomplished salvation. The Spirit applies salvation. So when we start like removing the Holy Spirit because it's like the weird uncle we want to talk about, you miss out on something. That the Holy Spirit is the agent that applies salvation to us. You all know the verse that for light can have no part of darkness, God can have no part of sin. We've even mentioned that in our sermons. The reason we get to be righteous in the sight of God, yes, is the act of the blood on the cross. But when we own that, the Spirit lives within us. And so therefore, when God sees us, he doesn't see our sin, our iniquity. What he truly sees is his Spirit. And that's how we're made righteous in the eyes of God. Holy Spirit is our personal connection through prayer, by the word, and by salvation applied. And so if you're in the room this morning and you've never known what salvation is, I'm going to take one second and talk to you. Let me put it this way. Are you tired of feeling alone? Are you tired of feeling like you have no purpose? Are you tired of feeling just completely lost and have no idea what's going on around you? I'm not going to tell you that you're going to get all the answers from church. I'm not going to lie to you like that. But what I'm going to tell you is this. Throughout all of Scripture, as you come into here, the mission of Great Oaks, oh, here we go, this will be a good test, is connecting everyone with Jesus, and purpose. Eh, D plus, all right. The reason that's our mission is because we want you to know that God loves you. That God loves you. And the Holy Spirit, for those of you that have taken on Jesus, you get, you've known the Holy Spirit because that's who led you to that decision. That's who guided you. So if you want to talk about with someone, like what does it mean to actually believe in Jesus, please find one of us after service. Talk to your neighbor and talk through that. Now that you've sat here quietly and listened to me, if you have more questions you want to ask for our panel, go ahead and text them in with the QR code, and you can do it during my prayer. We won't judge you. All right, let's pray. God, we're so thankful that we can gather in the house this morning. God, as we are your creation, that we know that you made us well in the image of God, who is in the image of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. May we 
remember that. God, may we remember that it's not useful to argue over the giftings. Because when we do that, we forget the personhood of the Holy Spirit who plays a major role in our lives. God, may we remember that. We pray all this in your name. Amen. All right, well, while we wait for questions to come in, I feel like I need to apologize to all the ladies in the room for Chase's opening joke that maybe was not funny. <laughs> hey, I said that, that the husbands didn't text that question. <laughs> ladies should not be questioned, why am I so awesome? <laughs> all right. <laughs> you get any questions? <laughs> I don't know what to do with that. I don't know what to do with that. <laughs> yeah. So, um, Chase, you mentioned in your, your message about the Holy Spirit. Um, I think maybe we had some commentary and can elaborate a little bit more on that. Is that code for you? Can have any questions in yet? That's oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, All yeah. Right. yeah. So, did we want to? You mentioned tongues. Did you want to dive down that rabbit hole real quick? It's ten oh four. Do you want to dive down that rabbit hole? Ten oh four. Real quick. Okay. Real quick. Yeah. So, so I think that it's interesting. The reason I want to dive down that rabbit hole is there are probably four different opinions up here about what the gift of tongues really is. And so I just want you to know as you're wrestling through that, no matter where you come in that place, that's okay. Uh, I think I would say, you know, when it comes to tongues, if you want to know where I I stand, I think think oftentimes when we see tongues in Scripture, it's more a gift of hearing than of speaking. Because Peter in Acts 2, for instance, speaks and everyone hears in their own language. And so I think... And I also would say, based on that, it is another language. So my wife had an opportunity growing up in a Southern Baptist church in Indiana, and a visitor came to visit her daughter from Germany. The pastor stood up, spoke, and this woman came up in tears at the end of the sermon. And they were like, are you okay? And she was like, that was the most beautiful German I've ever heard in my whole life. Everybody else in the room definitely heard it in Indiana ease. So it was great. So, uh, so yeah, so I'm offended by that, but that's okay. <laughs> Fair enough. I knew you were sensitive. So. I'll, I'll just add for those of you in the newer of the room or newer to Christianity as we're talking about this thing of tongues, you might be like, I have no idea what you're even talking about. <laughs> uh, just let me mention that. So in scripture, there's, there's these verses that talk about a gift of tongues, which is kind of a miraculous, it, it, like Jason said, is a, a gift of almost hearing or sometimes speaking. But we differ on the stage on, on that gift for sure. There's some uh, that would say that the gift has ended after the ap- apostolic age, after the Bible was written, that that gift is no longer valid. I would say it's still a valid gift to use today. Um, I would probably agree with Jason. It's more likely a, a known language. However, my disagreement would be I also see a sense of that there might be a sense, some sense of a private prayer language um, where people pray that by themselves. Jason would say that was be wrong. Um, and he's got a, um, so we have some fun in the office debating about that all the time. I only say it's wrong to you, Paul. Yeah, to anybody else. <laughs> I know. Ooh. His, his question for back pushback would be, honestly, though, and I don't have a, ref, a few to this, is gifts that were given are to edify the church. And so if it's just given to me personally as a private prayer language, how does it edify the church? Which I think is a valid point. So looking back, my simple Sorry. answer of do we want to go down this rabbit trail should have been no. Okay, that's why I'm coming from this whole thing. All right. <laughs> Did we get anything in? Uh, yes, there hey, was a couple there. questions. Thank you, whoever um, sent it in. We appreciate that. Okay. Um, let me see here. Sorry. Um, question came in. How do we know the Holy Spirit is a man? Is it, uh, its meaning is also helper. How, can we, how do we determine it's a male? So with the Holy Spirit, with, and that's given by Paul and New Testament writers, the, the he was given by them. However, the word for the Holy Spirit in the New Testament, pneuma, 
which it means wind, breath, that actually has, is gender neutral. So we give it the male pronoun because that's what the scripture writers gave the Holy Spirit. If you were like asking me, Chase, is the Holy Spirit a dude? I can't say yes to that, all right, definitively. Because the word in the Greek is gender neutral. Um, and it's the Spirit of God. So, and I think when we think of gender of he and she, we always think anatomically. And that might be outside of our box of understanding God. So, Yeah, I would say God has to have a feminine side of we're all made in yeah. his likeness. Yep. There has to be. There are Hebrew words that describe God that use feminine language. Mm -hmm. El Shaddai would be one of those uh, words to describe God. And so often in like theological circles, um, they use the term God's self. So this is the way God describes God's self. And that's the way of doing away with gender language related to God, who I would say is above our understanding of gender. Um, there's a bunch more questions that came in now. Thank you guys <laughs> so much. Uh, we can't get one to more, all. One more. Um, Let's do one more. Just one more. Um, this is what happens when you don't say it up front. I yeah. forgot to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So here's, someone asked, how do I know what my gifts are? There's a serve class coming up in June. Sign up for that class. Uh, so <laughs> me, um, <laughs> this guy's on it. Yeah. Um, oh, man. Uh, let's see here. Decisiveness, Paul. Pick one. In Ephesians 4.30, Paul says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. How does someone grieve the Holy Spirit? Pick a different one. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So... There's a, lot to, there's a lot to interpret with that text. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, that. Do you want me to ask a different one? No, you're good. Okay. So when it talks about grieving the Holy Spirit, you should not grieve that you have the Holy Spirit. And so what that means is when the Holy Spirit convicts us, sometimes that angers us. And we've got to be careful with how we wrestle with that. So don't grieve that the Holy Spirit is actually convicting you that what you've done is wrong. So be very cautious of that. Because there's a whole other theological debate that can happen on the stage of whether or not you can actually rid yourself of the Holy Spirit. There's a whole other debate on this stage we could have of that. As speaking of let's not go there today. Yeah, so, um, but that's what that, that text be referring to is don't grieve the conviction you have and, and what the Holy Spirit's trying to guide you to do. Do you want to bounce on that one at all? You can. You're welcome to. Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> no, but I'm looking at our time, and we do have a special moment that we have coming. And Jason, I'm going to hand that to oh, you. Okay. Yeah. So um, many of you know, if you've been around for Great Oaks for any amount of time, after you've been here three, four years, um, this church, to take care of their staff, um, grants us a 40-day sabbatical. So essentially a six-week sabbatical. And so Chase will be leaving on Tuesday uh, for his sabbatical. So uh, before everyone goes on that process, we just remind the church to be praying for them for rest, for refreshment, for great times for he and Megan as he gets to step away for a little bit and catch his breath. But then uh, be in prayer for them over that time. And then at this time, I'm going to ask the LT who are in the room to come and join me on stage, and we're going to pray for Chase at this time. So we had to leave you with a big one right before he left. Just yeah. It's all good. It'll be great. Yes. My favorite two LT members. I'm excited. <laughs> Right. I'll let you deal with yeah. that at tomorrow night's meeting. It'll be great. Yeah. So, all right. If you want, you can reach an arm out and uh, lay a hand or chase if you're in the audience, and we will pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, thank you so much for Chase, for the gifts you've given him, for his leadership here. God, it's been a, it's been a crazy three and a half years, and he has borne a lot of burden. And so, God, I pray that you would restore his spirit as he gets away and 
lets the weight come off for a few weeks. God, that you would just rest his body physically. But God, I pray spiritually he would connect with you. I pray that the activities and the things that he has going on would draw him into a deeper and restored relationship with you. God, I pray that his times of devotion and solitude and silence and prayer and scripture reading will be deep and rich and meaningful. And that as we talk about your Holy Spirit, you would flood him with your presence. God, I pray for he and Megan, that you would just strengthen their relationship in this time away. And God, most of all, that you would be glorified in this. Thank you for all that he's given. And now, Father, we thank you for the opportunity to give back in a time of rest and refreshment. We pray all this in Jesus' name and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, everybody. Have a great week. See you guys in about seven weeks. All right. (laughs)